And I'm really excited about today. I'm really excited about the word that God's given me for today. And I, I do wanna welcome all of you that are joining us online, our online Saddleback family, all of our extensions around the world, our campuses. We love you and we're, we're glad that you are joining us this weekend for this word. Now you can know, you can rest assured that whenever there is an actual sword on stage, <laughs> that it is gonna be a good day in the house. So, um, this sword actually belongs to my son. Um, Andy gave both of our sons a real sword when they turned 13 years old um, as like an initiation into manhood type ceremony. And so in a little bit, Andy's gonna come up and he's gonna do a, like a sword wielding demonstration for us. You guys wanna see that? Yeah, it's not gonna happen, but it would, it would be funny if it did, it would be great. Now, the reason that there's a sword on stage is because my message is called the sword and the spirit. And today we're gonna to talk about how the Bible is referred to as a sword in Ephesians chapter six, when Paul is walking us through the armor of God that we have. And he, he talks about the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth and the helmet of salvation. And if you look at that last line, it says that we have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I love that Paul calls it a sword because it's our only offensive weapon when it comes to all of our armor of God. Like we have a lot of defensive weapons, but this man, we go on the offense with this. We, we take new ground with this. We defeat the enemy with this. It's the sword of the spirit, the word of God. And so today we're gonna look at how does the Bible and the spirit, how do they interact with one another? And to do that, I wanna take you on a little bit of a journey with me, all the way back to when I was a kid. So when I was growing up, I grew up in a great church. My dad was the pastor from the time I was three until I was an adult. And it was such a wonderful church. Uh, we had a high regard for the Bible. Like every single weekend, there would be great biblical teaching. All throughout the week, there would be in-depth Bible studies. I have so many memories of my mom teaching in-depth Bible studies and doing in-depth Bible studies in our home. And then me as a kid growing up through this church, I participated in something called Bible drill. And I want you to just imagine in your mind what that might have been like, a Bible drill. This is like military terms that we're talking about here. Bible drill. This is competitive, intense, but scripture memory for children. So like some kids, they play soccer on the weekends and other kids do Bible drill tournaments. And I was that kid. And it, it was actually great and very formative for me to get all that scripture down deep in my heart. But the point is that we had a high regard for the, for the Bible. Actually on the front of my dad's Bible that he would preach out of every weekend, it was inscribed, the word of God. So there was no confusion where what we thought about the authority of scripture. Like we had a really tight grip on our sword. Now my experience with the Holy Spirit was a little bit more limited. I, uh, we had great theology around the Holy Spirit. We believed all the things like the Holy Spirit is our counselor, he's our helper, he's the one that believers are sealed with until the day of salvation. The Holy Spirit is the one that empowers believers with spiritual gifts. So we had great theology. We knew what the Bible taught about the Holy Spirit. But when I went away to college, 
I realize that there are people in this world who experience the Holy Spirit very differently than I had experienced the Holy Spirit. Like, like very differently. And as a college student, it piqued my curiosity. I'm like, what is this all about? So I started reading books and I was asking a lot of questions of different people. And what I discovered is that people on either side of the conversation were a little bit skeptical about the person on the other side of the conversation. They're like, yes, but is, are they really having an authentic relationship with God? Do they really understand? Do they? And, and I was like, wow, where is all this coming from? I had one person ask me when I was in college, is your church spirit-filled? I was like, um, I don't know, I certainly hope so. Like, what does that even mean? Are you spirit-filled? Isn't every believer spirit-filled? And so there was all this confusion, but, but I came to understand that there are, there are people and there are churches that tend to lean one way or the other. They tend to lean more towards Bible and some that lean more towards spirit. And now nobody ever categorized themselves that way. Nobody ever said, oh yeah, I'm one of those people. We all tend to think that our way of seeing things, our way of doing things is the most balanced approach, right? Like we do what makes sense to us. We figured it out. This is the right way. But just practically speaking, you could tell that there's a difference. There's a difference in the way that certain churches esteem the word of God or the spirit of God. And so just from my own observation, some things I noticed is that Bible churches, man, they, they know the Bible, they love the Bible, they have a tight grip on theology and doctrine. These are the kind of people that, man, they, they would be so happy to study the book of Romans for three years, just like verse by verse going through the Bible. And if you go to one of their services, you're going to hear all these Greek verbs flying around. Like, we're going back to the original languages. They're using big theological terms like soteriology and propitiation. And it feels like a seminary class when you're there. And you walk out of there and you're like... Man, I don't know if I feel smarter or dumber after sitting through that, but that was amazing. And, and so these churches, these Bible churches, they offer such a gift to the body of Christ because they are like a rudder on a ship and they keep the boat on track. These people are not gonna get taken in, in deceptive theology, false teachings. They keep it on track like a rudder on a boat. But just for a moment, can we push it to the furthest extreme? If you could imagine with me a whole spectrum of where churches and people, Christians line up, and let's just go out to the furthest extreme of Bible churches. And there are, there are some dangers that I've noticed as well. Sometimes these people in churches can be so full of head knowledge that they end up with a really big head and also a really big butt because there's not as much application as there is knowledge. And sometimes there's not a, a real sensitivity to what the Holy Spirit is doing around them. So there's a gift, but there's a danger. Now, what I've noticed about spirit people and spirit churches is, man, these people, they love to worship. They love to lean in to the power of the Spirit of God, to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So you'll hear often them talking about, you know, supernatural healings and, and speaking in tongues and the prophetic and all these supernatural things, spiritual warfare. 
These, if, if the Bible churches appeal to the mind, then spirit churches appeal to the heart because you can just feel it in your bones. And these churches, they capitalize on encountering and experiencing the spirit of God. Now these churches, they offer such a gift to the body of Christ because they are like a sail on a ship. And they're the ones that know how to harness the wind and capitalize on the power of the Holy Spirit. But let's just push it all the way out to the extreme again, because we want to offend people on both sides today. We are just, we are equal opportunity offenders here. And so let's just, let's just go all the way out here to the furthest extreme of a spirit-filled church. And if you, if you go there on a weekend, man, things might get a little crazy. Things might be a little bit confusing. Like suddenly you see this guy running laps around the auditorium and you're like, where did he go? Oh, here he comes again. Oh, and then, and then there's this other person, they're laying on the floor shaking and you're not sure, do I need to call the medical team or did they just encounter the Holy Ghost? And it's like, what is even going on right now? And, and it, it can be exciting, but also confusing. And so what I, what I've seen is that sometimes there can be, become such a fascination with the supernatural and that, that all that is talked about are these supernatural gifts, the healings, the speaking in tongues, the prophetic. There can be a distorted theology around that, that everyone should receive physical healing or that God desires to bring financial prosperity to everyone. And so there, there's this gift that comes from these churches, but there's also a danger if it gets pushed to the furthest extreme. You see, there, God never intended us to separate the word of God from the spirit of God. When those two things get separated from one another, there's a danger. And the, the danger for all of us is that we lose the heart of the mission. That God has given us a very clear mission that we are about to be, we are, as a church are supposed to be about the unreached, taking the message of the gospel into all the world. But if we do church in a way that just suits us, if we, if we get to one extreme or the other, then what happens is we start to really meet the needs of the people in our congregation. Our people are like, oh yeah, that's the kind of church I wanna be at. But everybody on the outside, when they come in, they can't relate, they don't understand, they feel lost. It either feels very boring to them or, or it feels confusing or it might feel irrelevant. Like this, this church is always about the person that's not yet here. And if we lose sight of that, if we start doing ministry in a way that does, that's not accessible for them, then we have lost our mission. And this is a really good reminder that, that man, we, we as the church, we want to bring those two things together, the word of God and the spirit of God. God never intended for those two things to be separated. So what does that look like? I mean, if, you, if you've got, every church needs the word and the spirit. Every boat needs a rudder and a sail. If you've got a boat with a great rudder on it, but no sail, then you're gonna be dead in the water. You're just stuck in the middle of the lake and you're headed in the right direction. You're definitely gonna stay on track, but you're not going anywhere. You're just sitting there and it, it's, gonna be, it's gonna be very safe but it's also gonna be very boring. You're just gonna sit there headed in the right direction. But man, if, if you've got a boat with a huge, beautiful sail on it and no rudder, 
You are a disaster waiting to happen because you are so powerful and you're gonna be going somewhere fast and it's gonna be a very exciting ride. But you could just as easily end up in a tree as you could the harbor. So God intends for us to have both a rudder and a sail. And that's what we're gonna unpack today in this message is what does it look like for us as a church, a Saddleback Church, to be very intentional about bringing back those two things together in our midst, those two things that God never intended to be separate. We are gonna be a church dependent upon the Word of God and desperate for the Spirit of God. So. I wonder if you will help me right now, wherever you're viewing this from, or if you're right here in the room with us, I want us to say something out loud, to declare as a church family that we're gonna be a church that is devoted to the word of God. Would you say that with me? We will be a church that is devoted to the word of God. Now, in a crowd this size, there are definitely gonna be people here that have different opinions about the Bible, different perspectives on the Bible, different questions around the Bible. Uh, some people are here and you're like, is it even accurate? Because it is an old book and it's been translated a lot of times and I don't even know if I can trust it. Is it accurate? And then other people are like, no, man, this is the, this is the infallible, word of God, there's, there, there's no error. I believe every single word is true. There's a spectrum. Some people believe that this book is outdated, that it's kind of irrelevant. It doesn't really apply to modern day life in 2023 anymore. But then other people are like, nah, this is a guidebook for life to me. I check it every day. It applies to different aspects of my life every single day. For a lot of people, the, book, the Bible feels hard to understand or it feels uninteresting. Like you open it up to read it and you're like, I don't get it. I don't, I don't even understand, this is boring. It doesn't connect with me. But then there are other people that would say, oh, I just have this insatiable hunger to know more. I can't get enough of the Bible. For some people, the Bible to you is like inspirational sayings, inspirational quotes, and you, and you love to get your verse of the day, and you got some posted around your office cubicle, and it's like, just like a little, little pick-me-up for the day. But for other people, you're like, no, it, it's every single word, cover to cover, that's significant. It's like, it's this manual for how God wants us to live. So there's a broad spectrum of how people see the Bible and what you're coming here with. And what I wanna say to you is that regardless of where you are on your faith journey, that you are very much welcome here. That Saddleback Church is a safe place for you to come and to explore faith. And you can bring all your big questions and you can bring all your doubts and you can explore your relationship with God in this place. And what's also very important is for us as a church to be clear about what we think, what we believe about the Bible. Because it cannot be assumed that just because we are a church, that every church has the same beliefs around the Bible. We are living in a culture that is very aggressively trying to undermine the authority of Scripture. And if you are not intentional about resisting that as a church, it would be very easy to get swept up in the current. And so what we believe about the Bible is significant. We are gonna be a church that is devoted to the word of God. And as we think about what that looks like today, I want us to look at two different viewpoints, two different lenses. And the first one is that our posture matters. 
Our posture matters. The way that you approach the Bible makes a significant difference. Now, I don't know if you've noticed like I have, but in 2023, it's not super popular to submit to anything, to submit to any set of beliefs, any doctrines. We live in a culture that it's like, hey man, find your truth, you be you, right? And there it's like all these conspiracy theories and we question everything. And everywhere we go, we are invited to give our review. Like, what did you think about that movie? How did you like that restaurant? Everyone, everyone wants our review. And so it's very easy to get swept up into this mindset that that's how we approach the Bible, that we're gonna start approaching the Bible like we're a movie critic. And it's like, oh, I really like that part. That part's pretty boring. Or this part was helpful. You could have left that part out. You know what I mean? It's easy for us to do that when we read the Bible. But when, when we start to approach the Bible that way and this mindset creeps in, we're no longer approaching the Bible as the infallible word of God that has authority over my life. And we start thinking stuff like, I don't know if I agree with that. And that, that is a dangerous place to be. Because as followers of Jesus, one of our pillars of the faith is that the word of God is true. And it's what we build our lives upon. And, and when that starts to slip, man, it's a dangerous territory to, to be in. And so as a church, we wanna renew our commitment, our belief that the Bible is the inspired word of God. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. That it is doctrinally and theologically sound. And that it has authority over me, not the other way around. Our posture matters. Now, this means that whenever I'm reading the Bible and the Bible somehow contradicts one of my preconceived notions of truth, that means that my former ideas are going to submit to the truth of the Bible. That means that when the Bible teaches on unpopular truths, things that seem completely out of sync with modern day culture, that I will choose to align my life with what the Bible teaches instead of popular opinion. I've got to get to a place, we've got to get to a place where we predecide that the Bible always wins. It's easy to slip into this belief that we can evaluate culture through, or that we can evaluate the Bible through the lens of culture instead of evaluating culture through the lens of the Bible. But man, when we do that, when that happens, it creates so much confusion inside the church and outside the church. That's why we have all these topics that are floating around today that, that we're so confused about, like marriage or gender or abortion and the sanctity of human life from conception until natural death. All these topics that feel like they're up for debate right now and, and people are like, oh, we're making progress. We're taking steps forward and, and actually we're just confused because we don't know what the Bible teaches and we're not sure if we agree with it or not. We're not sure if we're going to allow that to be the authority in our life. There's a verse in Proverbs chapter 14 that says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. There are so many things that seem right in our culture right now. Like, like, okay, that's your truth, that works for you, it's okay, you can do that. It seems right, that fits for you. But what no one's acknowledging is that it's leading to death. 
It's not helping us to have this open, like you do you philosophy. The the Bible teaches that, Jesus never says that your truth is gonna set you free. But he says, the truth will set you free. Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter seven, and he says that small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Only a few find it. So as Christians, we're not trying to submit to the Bible because we wanna be narrow-minded people. No, it's because we believe that narrow is the way that leads to life. And that's the road that we wanna be on. That's the road that we wanna bring as many people as we can on. That there is a way that leads to death and there is a way that leads to life. It is not every truth ends up at the same place. Every belief system ends up at the same place. That's not, that's a lie. Some roads lead to death, but there is a road that leads to life. And our posture towards the Bible, it matters. So I wanna ask you today, what? What is your posture right now? Have you fallen into that mindset of kind of being a bit of a movie critic as you approach the Bible? Like, I'm not so sure I agree with that. That part feels outdated or irrelevant. Or are you willing to humbly submit yourself under the authority of the Bible? We're gonna be a people that are devoted to the word of God. So secondly, not only does our posture towards the Bible matter, but also our practice matters. How we engage with studying the Bible, getting the Bible into our lives and into our hearts. Our practice matters. The truth is, most of us are in need of a little sword practice. Are we not? Like most of us, we're, we don't really know how to handle our sword very well. We, we kind of handle our sword like with the amateur of a six-year-old. Like if you were to see me wield this sword up here, it would be embarrassing. You would probably laugh at me. If I brought Andy up, you might laugh at him too. He'd probably be better than me. He's good at a lot of things, but neither of us have ever had sword practice, okay? So neither of us are gonna be super good at wielding a sword around because it's heavy and we don't know how to handle it. It's a little bit awkward. And most of us, man, we handle scripture the same way that any of us could handle this sword with about the skill of a six-year-old. And it's like, this is a problem because we say that we want to have an intimate relationship with God, but we never show up for sword training. Or we say we want the power of God in our lives, but we don't know how to handle our sword. So we got the way that we engage and practice with the sword, it matters. There's a quote by a man named R.T. Kendall, and he says that you will have the Holy Spirit's anointing to the degree that you honor what the Holy Spirit wrote. Now, I had this whole segment of content that I wanted to unpack today about how to engage with the Word of God. How do we practically unpack it and practice this engagement with Scripture? But what I was realizing is, man, this is a lot of content and it's going to be a really long sermon. And you've probably heard the phrase that the mind can only absorb what the seat can endure. So um, I wanted to spare you of that. But I do wanna get this content to you. And so there's two ways we're doing this. One, I'm gonna record a podcast that's gonna be released on Tuesday through our Doable Discipleship platform. You can find it on YouTube or the platform, the podcast platform um, that, you, that you tune into. But I'd love to ask you to engage with that. We're gonna unpack a little bit more practically how do we engage with the Bible? Because I know, listen, this is a, 
This can be an intimidating book. You open it up and just start reading and you can get real confused real fast. And, and so we wanna unpack what does that look like? The other thing is that our team created a resource guide that we wanna give to you today. And it's, it's just an easy on-ramp for you. I know that, that for me, it has been incredibly helpful to have a guide, to have a plan, uh, to, to figure out how do I study the Bible. So you can get this resource guide. All you gotta do is check in with us today. You can do it digitally on the app. You can just sign in and do the connection card there, or there's a connection card in your program you can fill out. As long as we have your name and, and email address, we will send this to you this week. But it's. It's such an important conversation, this engagement with the Word of God, because the reality is, by and large, we live in a biblically illiterate society. Like even, even church people, we don't know much about the Bible. And, and I'm not saying that to shame anyone. I'm just pointing out that, that it's a problem because we're the church. Like we are the ones that Jesus said, hey, you're gonna carry my message into all the world. But a lot of times we don't even know what that message is that we're carrying. We don't know how to respond to this cultural moment because we know a lot more about culture than we do what the Lord esteems. Man, we gotta be a generation it's like, nah, I'm going to be devoted to the word of God. If we are gonna be effective for the kingdom of God, we gotta figure out how to handle our sword. Now, you know what feels really frustrating though? When you keep showing up for sword practice and it doesn't feel like you're getting any better. That feels frustrating. And I don't know if you, you've had the same experience, but you're like, okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna do my devotionals with God. I'm gonna show up for church on the weekends. I'm gonna listen to the podcast and do all the things. But it's just, I'm still as mean as I was three years ago. It's not working for me. It's just, I, can't, I don't know what's wrong. Like you, you've probably had an experience where you've like maybe done a devotional about how love is patient, but then 30 minutes later, you're screaming at your kid because they're taking too long to get out the door. And you're like, what is wrong with me? Why is this not working? Mine's not working. I need a refund. What is wrong? And we've, we've all felt that frustration of like, we know more in our minds than what we're actually able to live out in our lives. Did you know that you can read the Bible and you can even know the Bible, but you can still lack the power, the transformative power that the Bible has to offer us. And that's because we don't just need the Bible, we need the Holy Spirit to apply the Bible to our lives. We don't just need the Word of God, we need the Spirit of God because it's the Spirit that illuminates our mind to truth in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter two, it talks about how we can't understand the Bible unless the Spirit illuminates our mind to truth. But listen, the same Holy Spirit that inspired the writing of the Bible inspires the reading of the Bible. He's the one that makes it come alive to us. And when we read the Bible, if we can invite him in, then man, that's where the understanding comes from. That's where the transformative power comes from. We need the Spirit of God to illuminate the Bible for us. And so that's the second half of this message is that we are gonna be a church that is dependent upon the Spirit of God. Would you be willing as a church family, will you say that out loud with me right now? 
that we will be a church dependent on the Spirit of God. We're not just gonna be a church that's devoted to the Word of God, but we will also be dependent upon the Spirit of God. They go together hand in hand. Because if you just have the Bible with no Spirit, it's like you're that boat stuck out on a lake with a great rudder, but no sail. And you ain't going nowhere because you don't have power. You don't have a sail and the wind blowing in you to carry you along. It's called the sword of the spirit because he is the author. He is the owner. He's the one that empowers the word. He's the one that illuminates the word. I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you've been reading the Bible or you've been listening to a message and it was like the light bulb just went on. Like, ah, I've never seen it that way before. It makes sense to me now. That was an encounter with the Holy Spirit because it's his book and he's the one that brings the power to it. I love the book, in, uh, the book of Hebrews chapter four, where it says that the word of God is alive and it's active. It's not just some ancient Jewish text that we read for academic purposes. No, it is alive and active because the spirit of God has breathed on it. It says it is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I want you to imagine that you get up in the morning and you, and you get out your Bible to read it. And at the same time, the Holy Spirit comes along and he picks up the sword. And he is not slashing it around like a careless amateur. It is with the precision of a heart surgeon that this sword turns into a scalpel and he gets in there into your heart and your soul and your mind and he can divide up things that you never thought would be able to be separated. We need the word and the spirit. And I think that's what we would all say that we want, right? Like if we're, if we're actually gonna spend time devoted to reading the Bible, we're not just looking to get smarter, more head knowledge, like we actually want it to transform our lives, to, to help us, to be different, to provide some practicality to the way that we live each day. We say that we want to live with the power of God. In Romans 8, it talks about how um, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive inside of us. But I don't know, I don't know about you, do you feel that power every day? Because man, sometimes I don't. Like, like when you wake up, are you just like, yes, I feel power. I'm, I'm living in the power, I'm breathing the power, I'm eating my cereal with power, I'm doing all the things with power. And it's, I wish I lived like that. But man, sometimes I'm like, where? is the power. I don't even feel like I have the power to get up when I say I'm gonna get up. I need some power in my life. Where is that power? Let me tell you where you find that kind of power. It comes from the secret place. The secret place where you get alone, just you and God. And he fills you up and you make room for him in your life. You know, we can experience the power of God collectively when we come together and we have these moments of worship and ministry time. And it's, it's like his presence can be so thick, you can almost touch it. But then, man, if you want that transformative power, that deep abiding power, that stabilizing power, that power that can break through strongholds in your life, the power that, has the, that can change you from this version of yourself into a much more Christ-like version of yourself, that kind of power comes from the secret place. Just you and God, 
when you will get into his word and ask him to change your life. We gotta get to that secret place. We need to a generation of people who will live their lives in great dependency upon the Holy Spirit. They say, I can't live this life in my own power. I can't be the mom that you want me to be. I can't be the spouse that you want me to be. I can't do this job, fulfill my calling the way that you want me to do it. God, I'm under so much pressure in my life right now as a student or with my other colleagues. God, I can't live life without your power. I am desperate for you to come through for me. Yesterday I was preparing for this message and there was just such a heaviness on me. And I I got down on my face in my bedroom before God and I was just crying out to him, literal tears on my face, just saying, God, I need you to show up for me right now. I am so desperate for you to come through for me. And we need a generation of people that will cry out for the power of God on their lives because the spirit of God is the one who has the power to change the life. It is the spirit of God that can bring repentance. It is the spirit of God where if he falls on a church or on a community, man, he can accomplish more in three weeks than we can in 30 years. We need the spirit of God in our midst. Will you be desperate for that, dependent upon it? The Bible talks about several different symbols of the Holy Spirit, and one of those symbols is oil. I'm not sure if you've heard the story from the Old Testament when King David was first anointed as the future king of Israel. He was just a kid when it happened, and the prophet Samuel went to his house And he was lined up all the brothers and he was trying to figure out, okay, who's the next king? And he's like, not that one, not that one, not that one, this one, he's the one. He's gonna be the future king. And it says that Samuel took oil and poured it out on David's head. And it was representative of the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, in 1 Samuel, it says, the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. So as the oil was poured out, it was symbolic of the spirit being poured out. That's why sometimes when we pray over people, we will anoint them with oil. It represents that the Holy Spirit is welcomed and wanted in that person's situation. But there, wasn't, there was more symbols than just oil. In Acts chapter one, it talks about another one. I wanna, I wanna unpack this with you where Jesus has just risen from the dead. He's about to ascend into heaven and he's giving his disciples one last promise and some instructions. And he says, you're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And that power is so that you can be my witnesses in all of the world. And then in the next chapter, this promise is fulfilled at the day of Pentecost. I wanna unpack this a little bit. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now you guys, I cannot overstate the significance of this moment for the church. Because up until this time, the Holy Spirit had only been poured out on specific people for specific jobs. 
So you're gonna be the king, you get the Holy Spirit. You're a priest, you get the Holy Spirit. You're a musician, you're a craftsman. Certain people were anointed and empowered by the Holy Spirit. But in this moment, when the Spirit came at Pentecost, it wasn't like that. Every single believer was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That is true for you today. If you would consider yourself a follower of Jesus, the Bible says that your very body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you. So it wasn't just how in the Old Testament, the Spirit got poured out like oil on a few select people. In the New Testament, when the Spirit came, that oil ignited into a flame for the whole world to see, to say, to say, this is my church. There's power here. There's fire. There's light for the darkness. I wanna empower you to carry my light into a dark world. The Holy Spirit is alive and available for each of us today. And you have a calling upon you. He is inviting you in. And some of you, you used to have this fire that burns so brightly inside of you, but somehow it died down a little bit. Like you had it, but then you lost it. And you need to do whatever you gotta do to get it back because there is a calling on your life. He has filled you with his spirit and he wants to use you in a powerful way in this generation. So my challenge for you today is very simple. I wanna challenge you to prioritize spending time pursuing God every single day. Would you prioritize that time to seek Him every single day? I have a mentor and he says, aim for seven, hit five. And those are great odds. If you can just get it in there, prioritize that time like it's an appointment on your calendar that no one else can interrupt. You're gonna elbow out some space to get into the Word and allow the Word to get into you, to create space in your life for the Holy Spirit to work, that as you yield yourself to the Spirit, as you make your heart more open and available to Him, that fire inside of you will burn brighter and brighter. Now, if you were to continue reading Acts chapter two, you'd come across this verse where it says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And many people believe that we are living in the last days. And I know that there are so many of you and you're so hungry for a fresh movement of God. You wanna see God pour his spirit out upon us. You're hungry for revival, for a spiritual awakening in our midst. I mean, I wanna see that too. But the Bible says that's not the only thing that's gonna happen in the last days. In the last days, not only is God gonna pour his spirit out on us, but the apostle Paul warns Timothy by saying there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, and the list goes on and on. And that final phrase says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. A form of godliness, but denying its power. It's like an incomplete expression of the gospel. Like you love to study your Bible, but you've 
got no power in your life or you're passionate about seeing a movement of the Spirit of God, but you don't know how to handle your sword, man, may that never be true of us. May we be a church that very intentionally brings those two things back together, where we hold up in equal measure the Word of God and the Spirit of God. May we be a church that lives right there where the promises and the power meet. I hope that today is a stake in the ground for many of you, that I will be a person who is devoted to the word and dependent upon his spirit. Will you stand with me? The band's gonna lead us in a, a song of worship and it's really just a prayer. It's a prayer that we would make space for God to come and pour his spirit out upon us. Let's pray together right now as a church family, would you just open up your heart to more of Him, to know that God wants to pour His Spirit out into your heart, to empower you to live your life differently than what you're capable of doing in your own strength. So Father God, we invite you to come right now. We, we're so thankful for the gift of the Bible that you've given to us so that we can know you. And God, I pray that we would not just say with our words that, we're, that we are your followers, but that we would truly be disciples, that we would be learners, that we would be students of your word, that would hide our, your word in our hearts so that we would not sin against you. God, help us to take seriously this mission that you've put us on. And Father, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that you live inside of us. And Father, we ask you now in this moment, in this place, in our generation, would you stoke the flame of fire that is in our hearts, God. May it burn brighter and brighter for the world to see. Would you move in our church in a fresh way? Pour out your spirit upon us so that you can use this church to touch the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. We lift up his name today. He is the king of this church. And it's in his mighty name, the name of Jesus that we pray, amen.